0: Well, good, we can actually get started. Today, Ghost of Christmas Present will be with us, and let's see what we can learn from this guy. Would you stand with me? We're going to read a somewhat lengthy but familiar passage from the second chapter of Luke. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Father, I thank you for your word. Because, Lord, when your word comes alive in us, it is indeed just as we have been told. I pray that it would become alive in us today, that the Holy Spirit would inhabit this place, inhabit your people, give us ears to hear, give us hearts to understand, help us to have the mind of Christ this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. When the ghost of Christmas present um, begins to take Scrooge on his tour, the first place that he takes Scrooge, is to a busy, bustling marketplace scene. And Scrooge says, there certainly seems to be a lot of excitement going on around here. And the ghost says, what? (laughs) And Scrooge says, I was uh, remarking about the general gaiety of the occasion. Uh, Everyone seems to be uh, happy as he struggles to find a word that he rarely uses. And the ghost says to him, they are. The reason that the ghost of Christmas present comes to Scrooge, one of the main lessons that he teaches him, is to teach him how to celebrate Christmas, how Christmas is properly celebrated, both in situations of abundance and in situations of want. They go to the Cratchit's house where they have very, very little, but it's filled with the presents christmas and they celebrate it properly and they go to fred's house where uh, maybe he's not filthy rich but they have plenty but they know how to celebrate it and there's love and there's the presence of christmas there and by presence i don't mean the kind under the tree a number of years ago uh it had to have been at least 15 one of the members of the church here uh was telling me about an encounter she had had with a friend of hers. And this friend of hers was a guy who was a Jehovah's Witness. And uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, among other things, are noted for not celebrating Christmas and not celebrating Easter and really not celebrating anything. And Quite frankly, they really don't have anything to celebrate because their theology is such that they don't really understand the gift that God has given in His Son, Jesus Christ. But she had had this discussion with this guy, and this guy had been berating her for celebrating Christmas. Uh, Apparently, he had not read uh, Romans chapter 14, which said some people celebrate special days and some people don't celebrate special days. And the ones who celebrate special days should celebrate special days because that's what God's put in their hearts. And the ones who don't celebrate special days and feel like every day is the same should should do it that way because that's what God's put in their heart, and neither one should judge the other. But anyway, he was, uh, he was saying to her, well, where, where in the Bible does it say that we should celebrate Christmas? And uh, the truth of the matter is, there's nowhere in the Bible it says we should celebrate Christmas. I'll get back to that in a moment. Let me take a little bunny trail just, to, just for a second here, by the by. Uh, never argue with anyone about Scripture. If somebody, if somebody comes to you and they want to argue scripture with you, go watch the symptoms or do something, you know, of that, that could actually benefit somehow. I don't know. Because arguing with them about scripture will not benefit you, them, or the kingdom of God. Period. Now, if somebody comes to you with a, with a question from a sincere heart, that's a whole different matter. No matter how wacky the question may be, if it comes from a sincere heart, you need to deal with it and, and, and you need to answer it. This, uh, this last spring, Margaret and I were down in uh, Shreveport at a conference, and there was a guy there named Glenn Borto who uh, uh, ministers in um, Modesto, California. And, and I, I, I just loved this guy. He was great. But he, he had gotten saved in college. And back in the, in the wild, charismatic, early 70s, mid-70s, he got saved. Jesus people time. And so he went out and began to witness and he went with, this, uh, went with the guy who got him saved. They went into, to Kansas City. They were going to hold a crusade there. And he went out on the street to invite people to the crusade. And Kansas City, of all places, uh, the Maharishi something or other was holding a, a big meeting there tonight. And everybody he went up to witness to went, oh, no, I can't go tonight because I'm going to the Maharishi's thing. And... You should come, and they were trying to convert him, and he was trying to convert them, and he was just thinking, "This is crazy, God. Why do you send crazy people for me to, to witness to?" So they went to a, another city, and you know, if you're in Kansas City and you meet crazy people, then go to California so you can get away from crazy people, right? But they were they were in San Diego or something, and they were going to hold a crusade that in, in this particular church, and Glenn was was out in the foyer. He was kind of. Um, uh, he was in the foyer. And, and, and this guy comes in. This guy, you know, comes in, California, early 70s, and he says, What's going on here, man? And uh, and Glenn is immediately thinking, Great. Um, we're having we're having a, a service here tonight. We're gonna tell people about Jesus. Do you know, do you know God? Do you know Jesus? And a guy said, Uh, I don't know, man, I got a question for you though. How does God feel about movement? And Glenn's kind of going, What?
1: <laughs> and the guy said,
0: How does God feel about that? Glenn's gone. (laughs) Mm. He's okay with that. God God is all right with that. And the guy goes, really? Yeah. How does God feel about? He's okay with that too. God's all right with that. The guy got saved. Gave his life to Jesus Christ. So somebody's got a sincere heart. It doesn't matter how wacky the question is. But if they want to argue scripture, the Bible says have nothing to do with them. Back, back, back away from the arguer and have nothing to do with them. So, anyway, getting back to the question where does the Bible tell us that we're supposed to celebrate Christmas? It doesn't tell us that we're supposed to celebrate Christmas, but it certainly tells us how to celebrate Christmas. And so that's what we're going to look at today. Just like, just like the Ghost of Christmas present showed Scrooge how, we're going to very quickly look at three different situations, three sets of characters. In one case, it's, I guess, just one character here to, uh, to find out how we should celebrate Christmas. And the first character we're going to look at is not actually in the story. And that's the innkeeper. We just assume he's in the story because there was no room for them at the end. And of course he was in the story. Bethlehem was a little bitty town. But remember, a census was now being taken of the entire Roman world. And to the Jews, that meant they had to go back to their hometown in order to register for the census there. And so a lot of people were of the house and line of David. And David's hometown was Bethlehem. So Joseph found his way there. Lots of people found their way there. And when they got there, I mean, the innkeepers were doing a very brisk business, I'm quite sure. In fact, an overwhelming business. So actually there were, not only was there an innkeeper, there was more than one innkeeper, but really only one mattered. Because there was only one who actually said, well, I don't have any rooms, but uh, I'll make a place for you. And so the first thing that we need to understand about how to celebrate Christmas is we got to make room for Christ. This is especially true in a, in a season when so many have no room for him. None whatsoever. And it's so easy for us to go along with this. How many of you know that the popular thing to do is almost never the right thing to do? How many of you went to high school? Yeah. What were, what was the, pop, what were the popular things to do in high school? Yeah. How'd that work out for them? When well, you get right down to it. And so we, we live in a culture, we live in a a land, we live in a situation where most of the people that we're dealing with don't have any room for Christ whatsoever. There's just too much to do during this season to actually make time and and make room for Him. And sometimes it seems like, sometimes it seems like if we're going to do that, we're the only ones. But that's not the case. That's not the case. I know that, you know, a lot of you have work situations where it's, Considered not cool to necessarily talk about Christ or anything. And and who am I to talk? I mean, you know, they let me talk about Christ all I want to around here. (laughs) But I'm not talking about, you know, like getting up and making an announcement in, in the break room or something. You know, I'm talking about just, you will discover if you'll make a little bit of room for Christ... At your work, you will discover that there are all kinds of people waiting around who would love to do that as well. They just have never seen anybody. Don't know how to do it. And making room for Christ is not really a, a, a difficult thing. It's not. It's not that complex a thing that you, that you uh, that that you have to do. It's just simply taking. It's just simply taking a little time. We all know that we're supposed to do it, but we rarely do it. We rarely we rarely get, get around to doing it. During this time of year, take an extra two minutes before you eat dinner, assuming you eat dinner at home, which doesn't necessarily happen. But if you are, take an extra two minutes, especially if you've got kids. With kids, it's real, real, real easy. Yeah. Uh, they have these things called advent calendars, and you're a little... <laughs> Well, of course, today, most of them you open it up, and oh, there's an iPad, ooh, there's a dolly, you know, but really, what they're supposed to be is little elements of the story well you can you can make your own thing, you can do your own thing there, take little elements of the story, teach it, teach it to your kids, just take a little t- or teach teach it to each other, just take a little time for it, just make some room that's all that's all that you it's all that you have to do and especially as we near the end it's crystal clear that the world will have less and less room and less and less regard for Christ and so you're going to kind of be swimming upstream but that's where the good stuff is is upstream tell you the truth Uh, downstream is where the dirty water is upstream is where the clean water is 2nd Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 through 5 Verses one through five. I put the reference in the notes, but I didn't actually write them. If you don't know this passage of scripture, you should you should read it. You should actually take it home and look at it, and kind it will blow your mind because Paul wrote this almost two thousand years ago. And here is what he says. But mark this: there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Hey, that—that's not only a, a, a description of the way things are. I mean, that's cool now, right? You talk about what, what were you do in high school. Disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous. Without self-control, what is that? Self-control, heard of that somewhere. Brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. I I mean, that's a mind-blowing scripture right there. You may go, well, people have always been people. No, he's saying it gets worse. And it gets worse. I mean, I'm not that old. I'm, I'm 60, but I'm young. But it's gotten worse in my lifetime. And if you're old enough to be paying any attention, it's gotten worse in your lifetime. Make room for Christ. Second uh, Peter 3, uh, 3 says, First of all, you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. Let people scoff. It, that's, that's no... You know, that's that's a sign of his coming. If we will make room for Christ, just just some room. It it may be a stable in the back, but that's more than nothing. If we will make room for Christ, wonderful things will begin to happen in our lives. This guy had no idea. He didn't look at he didn't look at Mary and Joseph and go, well, now wait a minute. Are you jo- Joseph, are you a carpenter? You from Nazareth? You know, and you're Mary, right? Okay, yeah, let me find something here for you. He didn't know what, he didn't know what was going on there. But, but he ended up making some room. He he wasn't going, oh boy, the Messiah is going to be born in my stable. I, I can charge an entry fee for this. People will come and see this for generations to come. Ha, Ha ha. He didn't think any of that stuff. All he did was make room. And if you'll just make room, then things will start to happen in your life that you can't imagine. That you can't imagine are going to happen. Because that's the way God rolls when he gets in there. When he gets a foothold in our lives. Second group of people would be the shepherds. They were a surprising and central part of the story. I mean, who saw this coming? Who knew that shepherds were supposed to have anything to do with this? They were the first to hear the gospels. The angels, the angels praised God. And later on, the shepherds praised God. And in talking about you know, how we're supposed to celebrate Christmas, Christmas is a time, the birth of Christ is something to elicit praise. Now, let me say something about praise because it's very different from worship. It's not very different. It can be a component of worship, but it is a specialized component. Praise requires noise. You cannot praise and be silent. I, you have to open your mouth and let something come out. And if you, don't, if you don't have the ability to make a noise with your mouth, then you got, you know, this going on. You know, you, you, you can give it that. If you don't have... The, I know not everybody's wired the same. Not everybody can wear these shoes. You know, some people are, are, are introverted. I'm just saying that it's not about introvert, extrovert. You know, I, what I'm saying is you got to make some noise to praise. You just have to. So it's okay. Put some noise in your house. Put some noise in your car. Put some noise in this house. Put, put some noise wh- wherever you happen to be. You, you know, it's it's, well... Am, am I getting ahead of myself here? Yeah, I am. That's okay. It's, it's easy to share Christ this time of year. Actually, I don't want to go there right now. But will you remind me to go there before I get away from the shepherds? Okay? Because I, I want to I say something. You know, the shepherds were the poor. The shepherds were the poor. They represent the poor. When, uh, when Ghost of Christmas Present and Scrooge are are, uh, leaving that first scene. The ghost of Christmas presents got this torch. And Scrooge says, there are, there are wonderful flavors emanating from that torch. Uh, would that, would that benefit any kind of dinner given on this day? And the ghost says, any kindly given, but to a poor one most. Uh, Christmas Carol doesn't have a lot of doesn't really have scripture in it, but Dickens was a strong believer, and he's got it he's got it woven all through. And he says, "Why do a poor one most? Because it needs it most." And the truth of the matter is, the grace of God always flows. When Jesus says that the that the first shall be last and the last shall be first, he's not talking about on that day. That's the way it flows throughout the entire kingdom of God. Throughout all of of history, all of eternity, you may not necessarily have the money to put the presents under the tree that you want. But if you'll make room for Christ, you'll discover that the presence and the power and the fragrance of God will show up at your celebration. They represented the poor. They also represented the chosen ones. They represented Israel. Uh, over in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, for the Jew first and then for the Gentile as well. So this is the proper order in which it was supposed to come. And then they were the first people to share the gospel. They were the first evangelists says we read it today. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. It is e- now. What am I supposed to tell you about before I leave the shepherds? Thank you very much, Miriam. How easy it is to share Jesus this time of year. It really is. In fact, it's easier than it used to be. Let me go. What? That, that's, that's impossible because used to, you know, everybody wasn't suing everybody for talking about Jesus. No, it, listen, it's easier. Today, if you, if you just say Merry Christmas to somebody, it doesn't mean what it meant 50 years ago. 50 years ago, it meant, hi, how you doing? Today, it means I didn't say happy holidays. I didn't say, have a nice day. I said, Merry Christmas. And they know that. They know. I mean, that, if that's all you can do, that's something. That's a beginning. I was talking about making some noise. And you know, one of the things that occurred to me, you might not be able to witness to people at work, but when you go to the bathroom, you can whistle Christmas carols. I'm not talking about jingle bells, okay? Yeah. Hey, that's a cool song. Where'd that come from? Well, let me tell you about it. God rest ye Mary, gentlemen. You see, Christ was born on Christmas Day to take all of our sins away. And that's another thing. Don't assume people know this story. Because you know people who have no idea what this season's about. You know, you go to see the, the, a lot of the Christmas plays and it's kind of like, oh, we're searching for the meaning of Christmas and we're searching for the meaning. Of, and you know how, I mean, we all know how that ends. It ends up at the manger in Bethlehem. And, and you know, that's kind of cool, but you know, we, it's not a mystery to us. There are people out there to whom it is a mystery. They don't know anything And some of them may live in your house. And especially if you have little kids. They don't know anything because they don't know anything yet. And you can bring them here and they can learn it, but they need to hear mommy and daddy say it. They need to hear mommy and daddy tell the story. Uh, Alan was talking about hearing, was it your grandmother who sang the Welsh hymn? great Aunt okay did that mean anything to you? Did that make any impact on your life that your great aunt saying that well, of course it did yeah. and they need to hear take you don 't need thirty minutes a day to go through, but take five minutes a day take three minutes a day yeah. tell somebody this is this season is custom made for t- take a card invite them to Carols by candlelight. Invite them to Christmas Carol. These are tools, people. I mean, they're celebrations. They're celebrations for us, but they're also evangelistic tools. Is what they are. Use them. It's ready-made. The season is right there. And believe it or not, a lot of those people, and you may kind of go, oh, well, you know, they don't really want it. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. For everyone who would say, no, nah, I, don't, I don't want to hear that stuff, there's three or four out there who are going, Really? Is that? Tell me more. So we celebrate the Christmas season by making room for him. We celebrate it by praising. We celebrate it by by sharing the story. And then the last group are the Magi. And now they weren't there on that night, okay? Uh, If you read the the scripture, it, it it uh, clearly says that when they saw Jesus, he was a child. Uh, I would assume he was a toddler, probably maybe pre-toddler. I don't. What, what, what age do you become a toddler? I always thought it was when you started toddling. <laughs> you know, which is different for different people. But you know, I, I would assume that he was probably younger than two because that's when Herod killed all the boys in the vicinity of Bethlehem. He killed those from age two and under. Uh, so they weren't there that night. The Holy Spirit, though, has seen fit to connect them to this story. So when you when you see somebody take some artistic license and you got a you got an activity there and you got shepherds and you got wise men all together, all mixed up at the same place, you know, don't look at that and go, Well, that's not the way it was. I, you know, I I know better. Oh, come on. It's bah, humbug. No, look at it and understand the Holy Spirit made this connection, okay? So the the wise, men, the wise men were coming. They represent abundance. You see, Christ didn't just come into the world to save poor people. He came into the world to save poor people. He came into the world to save rich people. And he came into the world to save everybody in between, all those people. Because he came to save all people. And they represent the Gentiles. Uh, to the Jew first. The shepherds came first. But we're, we're included. We get in on this. We get, we get a part of this as well. And they, uh, they brought gifts. And their gifts had meaning. You know, when we give gifts during the Christmas season, um, the precedent obviously is there with these guys. The real precedent is there with God who gave to us. I love to give gifts to my kids and my wife as well. Uh, I, and in both of those instances, and I love to give gifts to my friends too, okay? I mean, let's, let's be honest. But, you know, my kids and my wife, I mean, that's, that's the real special thing. And really, we're just reflecting God in both of those things. Because when Jesus left, he gave his bride gifts, the scripture says. And God, on Christmas Day, gave the greatest gift that he had to his children here on this earth. So, I mean, that's the that's reflection of it. But these guys gave, gave meaningful gifts. They gave important gifts. They brought him gold because he was a king. They came looking for the one born to be king of the Jews uh, and Luke chapter 1 verses 32 through 34 say the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David he will reign over the house of Jacob for, forever his kingdom will never end he will be a king it says over in Psalm 2 that he will reign all over all of the nations with a, with a rod of iron he will rule over them it says in Daniel chapter 7, His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. His dominion is one that will not be destroyed. He was a king. And you already know that. I'm just giving you ammunition because you're going you're to be talking to some people when you leave this place. They brought frankincense. Frankincense was the incense, a major component in the incense that, that priests would burn, would offer up before God. And only the priest. We're allowed to do that. It says over in Psalm 110, verse 4, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And Jesus makes it very clear that this psalm was about him. Next year when we're going through uh, various series about Jesus, When we get to to the fall, there'll be be one week that we'll be talking about Jesus in Hebrews. And when we get into Hebrews, we'll discover that uh, being a priest out of the order of Melchizedek is a big deal. It's a whole lot bigger deal than being a priest out of the order of Aaron. And in fact, there's only really been one. It also tells us in Hebrews that we have a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses. We have a high priest who who intercedes before us, before God. We have a high priest who has passed through all the heavens and entered into the most holy place with his own blood and offered once and for all a sacrifice for our sins. And then that leads us to myrrh. You know, uh, bringing gold was pretty easy to figure out. If we're going to go look for the king of the Jews, we better take some gold. Uh, And even though it might be more difficult to figure out, they might have even been able to... Somehow or another to figure out he was going to be a priest king, king, king-priest. They could bring incense as as well. But where did this myrrh thing come in? This was absolutely the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Myrrh was uh, one of the major spices, one of the major components used in embalming the dead. And interestingly enough, if you just want, you know, if you you got a a heathen who... uh, Enjoys Trivia, you could maybe use this as a hook. Uh, Smyrna actually is the town we live in was actually named after the, the town in Asia Minor, which is one of the seven churches in Revelations. The reason it's uh, Smyrna is because myrrh was the major... Um, pr- the production of myrrh was uh, the, the, the major industry of that city. So anyway, they bring myrrh. <laughs> Why? Because he was going to be a sacrifice. I love, uh, I love we three kings of Orient are, and I particularly love the verse, glorious now behold him arise, king and God and sacrifice. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Peals through the earth and skies. King and priest, yeah, those kind of fit together. Sacrifice, where did that come from? Where that came from was on high because we serve a God who is so mind blowingly amazing in what he comes up with and the way he does things and the way he puts stuff together. Wow, really? A sacrifice? Yeah. Really? You see, when you share Christ with people, all you need to know, you don't, you don't need to know a bunch of, you don't have to have a theology degree. All you need to know is Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, came to this life. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross as a pure sacrifice for our sins. God raised him from the dead on the third day. And everyone who will put their faith in him will have eternal life. That's all you need to know. All, you know, the rest of the stuff, you know, well, what about the Ten Commandments and things like All right, the Ten Commandments, are, yeah, that's cool. You know, if you, if, you, if you keep all the rules and everything, God will be more pleased with you. He won't love you more. You know, it always kind of gets under me when you hear this coach speak about, I want you to give 110%. There's no such thing. Well, give me 150% then. Well, that's the same thing. as 110%. It's an imaginary thing. 100% is 100%. And while we were his enemies, Christ died for us. How much, how much more? So he won't love you more. You know what? He loves the meanest, lowest, cruelest sinner in the world as much as he loves Billy Graham, and all of us in between those two, or the Pope, or wh- whoever's up there. You know, yeah. He, he loves us all the same. Now you keep the rules; he'll be more pleased with you. And guess what? Your life will go a whole lot better. But all you need to know is. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds we were healed. Yeah, we need a king. Yeah, we need a priest to intercede for us. What we really need is a savior. He was all of those things. And the way that we can celebrate and honor his birth is to make room for him, is to... Let the praise come forth that is elicited by this inestimable gift. Boy, try to say that word in front of a bunch of people. Share the story with people. That's the gift we have to give to them. Would you stand with me? Say, so, well, I can share the story any time of year. Yes, you can. You absolutely can. I hope you share it every day of the year. But the truth of the matter is, this season, more of them are attuned to be ready to listen to it. Those who are going to minister come forth at this time. And if you're here today and you need ministry, you come forward. If you're here and you need to meet Christ, you come forward. If and by ministry, you may have a physical need, you may have an emotional need, you may have a financial need, whatever. But let me also make another suggestion. If you're here and the thought of sharing Christ is intimidating to you, come forward and ask. And I'm serious. Uh, you know, boy, you kind of go, well, you're kind of putting everybody here on the spot, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. am. If, if the thought of, uh, if as you look over your life, you kind of go, well, where can I share Christ and not get in trouble? Or where... Come and ask God. He Ask him to illuminate and give you wisdom about how to share. Ask him to give you grace about how to share. Ask him to make you alive to the opportunities to share. We're going to worship for a few moments. We'll, we'll wait for you. you. You come and he prayed for you. you oh. God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who sent His Son into the world as a gift to all who believe. May that gift be manifested in your life. May you give it away. May you have the joy of those who obey Him, the joy of those who celebrate His coming through Jesus Christ, our Lord.